You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Winter, spring, summer, fall. It doesn't matter what the calendar says. It's always baseball season and time for talking about your Minnesota Twins. This is the Twins Hot Stove Show, keeping you connected with your team with the latest news, moves, interviews, and more. We have the bases covered. Now, here is your host of the Twins Hot Stove Show, Chris Atterbury. Well, good evening and welcome to the Twins Hot Stove Show. A happy new year to you and welcome to our first show of 2018. We're going to kick off the new year here on the Twins Hot Stove Show with Zach Duke, one of the newest members of the Minnesota Twins. He'll be talking about tendons, Twins Texas Connections, and Dr. Pepper. His pitching coach, Garvin Alston, will stop by and say hello as uh, part of a full program here today. Now, some minor league news to pass along today. The Twins have signed 31-year-old infielder, outfielder Nick Buss, uh, Pacific League batting uh, champion a year ago for the El Paso Chihuahuas when he hit 348. That announcement made today by the Red Wings organization. Uh, so one minor note as far as the roster is concerned. Obviously, though, the single biggest topic on the minds of Twins fans and the uh, most important topic to deal with as we head into 2018 for the Twins organization as the allegations that came to light on December 28th. Not fun to talk about, certainly not a jolly topic around the hot stove, uh, but serious allegations of sexual assault made against Miguel Sano. I'm going to share with you uh, the note from Twins President Dave St. Peter, uh, the official statement from the organization, and it reads like this. The Minnesota Twins were made aware of allegations involving Miguel Sano at an offside appearance during the 2015 season. The Twins, along with Major League Baseball, take these allegations very seriously. The Twins organization has long been committed to respectful behavior in the workplace and in our community. Beginning immediately, MLB will commence a thorough investigation of said allegations under the purview of the MLB, Major League League Baseball Players Association, Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy. And to that end, the Twins will have no further comment pending the results of MLB's investigation. Again, that is the statement from Dave St. Peter back on December 28th, updating that. That investigation is ongoing. Again, it is in the hands of Major League Baseball, and the club is hoping to see a resolution uh, before the advent of spring training, which, of course, is just a couple of months Away, So that's what's going on with the Miguel Sano situation. Again, an ongoing investigation uh, as per the structure of the uh, collective bargaining agreement. Uh, that is in the hands of Major League Baseball. And as such, no further comments from the Twins at this time. We will have plenty of comments about baseball, though. And we'll continue with that portion of our Twins Hot Stove show when we return on your home for Twins Baseball. This is the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Well, welcome back to the Twins Hot Stove Show and a chance tonight to introduce Twins territory to the newest member of the Minnesota Twins. News broke last week and it was a great holiday gift under the tree for Paul Molitor and new pitching coach Garvin Alston. And that is former All-Star and Major League veteran Zach Duke. Welcome to the Twins. First of all, let's talk about where you are physically because people may not realize, I know Twins fans uh, remember when you joined the White Sox, outstanding in Chicago, especially against Minnesota. 
Minnesota with a career ERA under three. We saw an awful lot of you, uh, especially the Twins lefties. Uh, then you go to St. Louis, and you had the injury. And you came back from that surgery very, very quickly to get a half a season in last year. Walk us through where this offseason is for you physically, where you go from rehabbing to actually focusing on, you know, taking a healthy body and making it ready for spring training. Yeah, so thank you, by the way. It seems like any time I played against Minnesota, it was me against Joe Maurer at some point with the game of line. And, uh, you know, he's such a great competitor and such a a tough out that I I remember just about every one of those because I'd be so focused. Um, But, yeah, you you know, you talk about the injury and everything. And truth be told, I had a a partially torn ligament for 10 years. And it just finally completely tore, and I ended up pulling a flexor tendon off my bone at the same time. I had to have it reconstructed if I wanted to even play catch with my kids. But the recovery process, like you said, was very fast. It was something where I didn't have any setbacks and was able to make it back to a major league mound in about nine and a half months post-surgery, which the original timeline was sold to 16 months, and I thought, all right, well, this season's probably just a wash, but I'm going to try anyway. And I was able to get back, and and for, you know, in in all honesty, this is about the first time in a long time that I feel truly healthy and uh, able to be at the top of my game. Yeah, what's amazing is, though, you've had some great years pitching with, as you said, a partially torn tendon there the life of a reliever and again you, you were a starter but i want to focus on your time as a reliever it's mercurial i mean you can have the best of times and the worst of times they can be back to back in the same series or it can be year to year what, what have you figured out through a very lengthy big league career in terms of how to maintain some consistency in that role so the uh the process as far as off-season, in-season um, training and throwing everything else, it has to be tweaked going from starting rotation to the bullpen. And I figured out a few things to tweak to keep me consistent out of the pen uh, and be able to go you know, three or four days in a row. And um, I was able to do that successfully for a few years before the elbow finally gave out. Um, but thankfully, you know, I've, I was, it was a pretty quick learning curve, and I've, I've been able to have some pretty decent success and, and keep the rest of my body very healthy, making these the slight adjustments. Um, you know, you have to watch how much throwing you do before games or between games. Um, and then kind of figure out how many throws it's going to take you to get loose and get to where everything is is sharp when you get in the game because uh, you don't have you know, a whole lot of time to be able to, to figure out the feel for things. So there's there's kind of more focused intent of throws between mound sessions to where you make sure everything stays more crisp so when you do get in that pressure situation, you're able to, to lock it in quickly. Zach Duke is our guest, newest member of the Twins bullpen, and it's too simple to say you started and then you relieved, Zach, because you've been a long man. You've been a lefty specialist and an awfully good one. You've been a guy who can come in and, and, and fill the in-between role there where you can get lefties and righties alike. Uh, where do you see yourself now optimally used, and where is your repertoire, your stuff, coming off the injury but also you know 12 years into a big league career as opposed to being a young guy throwing it through a brick wall. Yeah, so the the transition for me was, you know, I started off as a starter and then was not very effective at that anymore, so they tried to change me to a long man, and uh, that didn't exactly fit my mindset. Being a long reliever, I felt kind of like I didn't know when I could get ready or what I needed to do to to be ready to take the ball and give them as many pitches as I could, Um, but when I've tried to transition to a conventional reliever, it it has made more sense to me. I I love the feeling of having game on line when I'm in there. And I, I, I feel like I'm able to, because of the experience, I'm able to navigate through situations uh, that maybe a younger guy is not familiar with or could get a little bit freaked out. Um, I'm very familiar in all the, the good and bad and in-between situations, so um, I, I don't panic and I know that I can get the job done. I know what it takes to get the result. 
Uh, I've got about eight different pitches that I throw uh, from two different arm slots, so I feel like I can piece together a certain couple of pitches for each hitter that comes in, whether it be righty or lefty. Uh, because when I first transitioned to being a conventional reliever, it was because I started throwing from the sidearm slot, they, they wanted me to be a lefty specialist. But it seemed like every time I was asked to face a righty, I got them out as well still. So I worked my way into being kind of your seventh or eighth inning setup type guy. And I feel like, you know, that's, I saw a lot of effectiveness in that role, as well as, you know, kind of the, they call the fireman, you know, put them in the worst situation in the game and they can find a way out of that. Zach Duke is our guest. And Zach, I'm going to draw a comparison to going back a, a one calendar year almost to the day we had Matt Belisle on the show. He was in Texas driving to his ranch. He had just signed with the Twins. Uh, and it's a, a guy who ended up having a massive imprint on this club last year, not only with his performance, like yourself, a veteran guy, uh, a guy who'd been on a lot of different clubs and learned from a lot of different people, a guy who could fill a lot of different roles, uh, and a guy who had such maybe an even bigger imprint on the young guys who ended up in that Twins bullpen. And I think Twins fans are going to look at this and listen to you talk and say, man, it sounds almost like we got left-handed Matt Belial here and a lot of the, the wonderful things that he was able to bring uh, into that bullpen and stabilize that clubhouse in a lot of ways. I don't know if you know Matt well uh, or if at all, but uh, is that a fair comparison in terms of where you are in your career, the type of stuff you have, the type of experience you have, and then the youngsters that you're going to be surrounded with in large part in this pen? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned his name because when I started this you know, journey talking with the twins, Matt Belisle was one of the first phone calls that I made. Um, he and I were throwing partners in Texas for five off seasons and uh, know him very well, think the world of him. And uh, I've always said, if you find somebody that doesn't like Matt Belisle, I instantly don't like that person. Um, <laughs> well said. So he's, he's a guy that uh, he had nothing but great things to say about the twins organization, the guys in the clubhouse. And I respect that a lot. So in talking with him, I, I felt like this would be a good fit. Hopefully I can bring some of this the same things that he that he brought, um, you know, he's a uh, the consummate pro. He's got a routine that is second to none, and uh, he takes care of his body amazingly. And he, he's he's been able to stick around for a really long time because of those things. And we're a little bit different kind of pitcher, I say, but um, he's been able to help me through the years, kind of figure out some things mentally, physically on the mound. Um, I feel like I've been able to help steer him in a, in a couple of good directions as well. So hopefully I can uh, have that same type of influence on the guys in the clubhouse. Now, if that's the case, it's going to be good news all the way around here in Twins territory. We're going to hear more from Zach Duke a little bit later. We'll put him on the hot seat. We'll investigate his connection to a couple of other current and former twins when he takes three cuts. Right now we take a break. When we come back, we'll chat with Zach's new pitching coach, Garvin Alston. It's the Twins Hot Stove Show right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Chris Atterbury welcoming you back to the Twins Hot Stove Show. A nice night to gather around the hot stove and talk some baseball. And we welcome to the program now Twins pitching coach Garvin Alston. Chatted with him a bit before the Christmas holiday break. And well, we're going to chat with him a little bit longer now. Now, it's his first job as a major league pitching coach. And Garvin, when we spoke, agreed that a lot of that was made possible by the chorus of voices he's encountered along the way. I would agree. I would agree. There's a lot of people, whether you meet them at different conferences or meet them on the field while we're doing either instructional league, regular season, or I'm traveling during a coordinate, as a coordinator. Or, you know, last year and the year before when I was in the big leagues with the Diamondbacks and back with Oakland. Uh, I did cross paths with a lot of people, a lot of young talent. And uh, just, you know, it's been fun. That's been 
the best experience about it, just meeting new people. You know, we're going to kind of get into the story of how you ended up with the Twins in a bit, but I want to start with a question that pitching coaches get all the time, and then I'm going to, I'm going to not ask it. And the question I always hear is, what's your philosophy? Well, I've always felt like every pitcher is different physiologically, mentally. They, they throw different pitches. They throw with different hands. So one blanket philosophy maybe isn't the right question. I guess I prefer to ask you, what is your process? When you work with pitchers, your end goal, any pitching coach, is get the best out of each individual for the betterment of the team. What is your process when you look at each individual member you'll be working with to uh, go about figuring out how you push the right buttons and how to get the most out of them physically, mentally? To be honest with you, I'm actually in the process of starting that right now. My first thing that I do is identifying uh, with the people that's either been around them, myself or whoever it is, is identifying what they do well and what they don't do well. And then from there, trying to back that up with either numbers or with video or whatever that is. And then from there, from identifying and coming up with a plan. And then once that plan is put together with all the heads, whether it's myself when I was with Oakland, uh, Scott Emerson and those guys, or here with Derek Falvey and those guys, come up with a plan that's going to benefit the player and what they do well to get ahead and, and use their attributes in a positive way. Once we do that, then it's time to go to work to better their strength and also to get ahead and better their weaknesses and allow them to understand it. But the most important part of this is whichever pitcher that we're talking about and that we're working with, they need to understand what they do well and what they don't do well. Too many times I've seen as far as uh, guys going out there trying to do things that they can't do and those mistakes put them in bad positions or those mistakes put them in bad counts and – negative things happen. So we're able to get ahead and keep these guys from understanding who they are and what they do well and keep them in a positive count of being ahead or pitching a contact down the zone or be able to create swings and misses. Those are the things that I'm trying to focus on this year. You strike me as a very positive guy. Is that, in your experience, the best way to relate to people in an upbeat fashion? Absolutely. Um, why, why dwell on the negative? Um, my wife is, uh, you know, she's a school teacher and doing so, I listen to how she talks to her kids often, and I kind of taken some of that information of being positive all the time, so we can get ahead and get the best out of them instead of dwelling on the negative. Now I, I'm trying to remember a story about was your father a youth coach growing up? <laughs> yes. Now uh, my dad was the coach. Yes. And, and growing up, and I don't care what level your your parent coaches at, I have to think that bleeds into you, right? I mean, that, that, that's part of who you are in terms of seeing how coaches think, how they communicate from a very early age. Uh, you know what? I would agree. I mean, not at the time as I was growing <laughs> up and being a young guy. I just thought my dad was just helping out and just being a good dad. Um, but then as you get older and you start reflecting on things that happened in the past, you, you realize that dad was out there teaching and I was actually paying attention not to those different philosophies and, and different things that were going on. So it, it's been a, a learning experience of understanding what happened in the past and him being a, um, him being a, uh, a coach, a commissioner of the Little League and the minor leagues down there in Mount Vernon, New York, which kind of reflected on to me. My wife always said a long time ago that she thought that I was going to be a coach a long, long time ago. So uh, I guess she was right. Now, I think your wife sounds like we should be interviewing her and not you. It sounds like she's got most of the answers. <laughs> That's where you seem to be going for uh, for answers. So we might have to get her on the show uh, in, in, the, in the coming weeks. In this business, so often 
jobs, when people are hired for jobs, like a pitching coach or on a staff, you can kind of trace the line. Well, they were together in this organization or they shared this mentor. Uh, how did you come about uh, getting on the radar and then uh, forging a relationship and obviously a strong one with Derek and Thad uh, because they're not guys you've necessarily worked directly with throughout your career? This is true. Um, it was kind of, to be honest with you, how this all started was I got a phone call from uh, my then general manager, David Forrest, and in doing so, uh, I've never met Derek before ever. Um, that I've met one time um, being as old with the Texas Rangers in spring training. I saw him, introduced myself, and that was it. But when it comes to Derek, I did not know him too much. How this all happened once they got there and we had a conversation, I guess, there from what I was told. Um, there were other people that talked very highly about myself, and in doing so, they just wanted to find out who I was as a person. And that kind of led to the next thing, which back to the interview, and then here we are today. Garvin Alston is the Twins pitching coach, and it's going to be great to get to know him more and more as we move through Twins Fest and on through Caravan and on into spring training and the season. Garvin, final question here. Uh, you have to be a great communicator to be a coach, and people are often asked about coaches they had, teachers they had, mentors they had. Were there people in your life that you can look back on and say, you know, I learned how to communicate from them, whether they were trying to teach me or not? Uh, because communication, at the end of the day, you can know everything, but if you can't share it, if you can't get people to understand it, it doesn't do you any good. Absolutely. There's uh, there's quite a few people that I, I would bring to attention. Um, um, the first person I'll bring up is someone that I actually played with. His name was Marvin Freeman. Um, Free was loud, um, boisterous, and he, he was a guy that didn't really care what came out of his mouth, but he was intelligent every time that he was saying something. And uh, as a player and being a rookie, and he was my mentor as a as a player and watching him go about his business, he always knew and understood what it is that he was talking about. Um, from there, uh, a couple of pitching coaches, Ron Roman and Kurt Young uh, with the Oakland A's organization. Kurt Young kind of taught me how to keep everything calm and have these young men go out there to perform at their best and have them feel comfortable. Uh, they're not comfortable, and he told me this a long time ago. They're not comfortable, G. They're not going to perform. Uh, Ron Romantic was the one that kind of taught me the the ins and outs of throwing programs and, and breaking down video. And Gil Patterson showed me how to go out there and, and work with these guys every single day and be passionate about what you do. Um, and the, the person that I thought that made a, a huge impact to me is Keith Lippman. Keith Lippman was the person – that actually sat me down and, and talked to me about, you know, possibly having a future in this game. And, and in doing so, you have to be a step ahead or maybe two steps ahead. That that includes um, reading books. He did something as a player, head of player development for Oakland. Every single year we had a different book to read. Um, or he'll send us a passage of a book that he's read. And we had to give different presentations. And what that did for me as a leader is being able to communicate to a room exactly the thoughts and the process of what it is that we were trying to do, which kind of spilled over into my job as a rehab guy, having, you know, doctors, uh, a head athletic trainer, uh, and also the team, whether it's the big league team when I dealt with them, those guys being able to get ahead and put those things together and communicate what I'm seeing on the field and add my two cents in, which, you know, helps a player or, 
uh, assist in getting this guy better. That's the voice of Twins pitching coach Garvin Alston. Stay with us. More from Zach Duke when we return on your home for Twins baseball. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Well, welcome back to the Twins Hot Stove Show. Chris Atterbury with you on another frigid Wednesday night, but spring training just around the corner. And right now, Zach Duke is kind enough to join us for one final segment. Time for three cuts, and it's fitting for a guy who has a big league home run already to his credit uh, earlier in his career that he would stand in and take a whack at a couple of these softballs. And I'm going to start with the easiest one of all for you, Zach, and that is one of our favorite guys was Matt Capps who happened to have been your best man, I believe, at your wedding. So what can you tell Twins fans about Matt Capps as a toast giver at your wedding? (laughs) Oh, man, Matt gave a good toast. He was, uh, he's not always been the most tasteful guy. But uh, in that that situation, he was was absolutely professional about it. He made it very personal, um, and he didn't embarrass me too much. So very thankful for the toast that he gave. Yeah, if you uh, when you get to spring training, you want to bring some old pictures of him in a tuxedo. I'm sure those would go over gangbusters too with some of the guys uh, in the in the clubhouse. Better, I got some better pictures of Matt Caps in a tuxedo. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to one of your new t- teammates, and you mentioned him earlier, and that's that's Joe Mauer. You and Joe were born on the exact same day. I have to wonder the first time he wanders over from first base in the eighth inning with you know two on and. And nobody out, and you guys are having a conversation. Is it is it about who's buying the birthday cake, or uh, what kind of relationship you have with Joe? Uh, you know what? I've I've not actually met Joe at all. I did. I didn't. Obviously, we were drafted the same year. Uh, you know, he's the first overall. I was also a first pick that year. Just happened to be the first pick of the twentieth round. Um, so there's, you know, there's that similarity. <laughs> Um, you know, it's it's. I have a lot of respect for Joe. We've faced each other a lot of times over the years, and uh, I'm interested to get to to get to figure out his perspective about facing me, um, and, and I'll kind of explain my approach to facing him. But without, you know, since I'm only on a one year deal here, I'm not going to get too much information. <laughs> Hey, you're part of a long line of very talented left-handed guys who, who literally, you know, were signed to face Joe or Joe and Justin, uh, you know, all those big left-handed bats uh, in the division. Final question for you. You're from Waco, Texas, or the Waco, Texas area, home of not only Zach Duke but also Dr. Pepper. So what is the special ingredient? I have long, long claimed since my, my first and only trip to Waco that it's because your water tastes so goofy down there. And that's why the Dr. Pepper tastes different. But I, I need a Waco native's perspective. What is it that defines that Dr. Pepper flavor? You know, I dated a girl who worked at the Dr. Pepper Museum in Waco when I was in high school. <laughs> and I I went on a small quest to figure out this formula, right? I went up there and visited her quite a few times trying to like, get some background information or prize secrets out of them up there. And they would never give any secret information at all. All they would do is pour me some fresh Dr. Pepper and say, isn't this good? So I, I wish I had some better secrets to give you, but I, I don't. The secret's I, guarded. I can, tell you, I can tell you the city water in Waco does taste funky. It's weird. So you might you might be onto something there. Yeah, it is definitely. There's, there's an odd flavor. All right, well, the, the fact that you, that you dated uh, someone who worked at the Dr. Pepper Museum should be in your media guide bio by the way, in, in bold print. <laughs> and what you'll do then on, a, on an off weekend or an off day this summer, you take the kids down to the Spam Museum, and then you can oh. take all of your Dr. Pepper Museum experience and your Spam Museum experience. you got a whole meal. So we'll make all that right. happen. Yeah. No, we'll make that happen. Yeah. Zach, we... <laughs> 
We appreciate your time. Twins Territory is going to love you. We're going to love seeing you in a Twins uniform, and we look forward to catching up with you at Twins Fest and uh, on into spring training, sir. Thank you very much. Excited to All right, that's Zach Duke wrapping up another edition of the Twins Hot Stove Show for Zach and for Garvin Alston, his new pitching coach, Chris Atterbury, saying so long. Uh, we'll be back again this next week right here on the Home of Twins the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.